Brandon and Color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 10:50 a.m., 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California, and in parallel with Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning into the Water Zone. Well, good evening to everybody. I'm your host Rob Starr, along with our other host, Mr. Chris Davies, and uh, tonight is our Ag Night. It is. Uh, yes, and so we have to bring in our most special person who knows everything about ag in the world, Miss Ingi Biscona, who will be taking over the show. Ingi, welcome. We're true, but uh, thank you. Um, Carrie and Tia, are you on the line with us? Hello. Hi. Hi there, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Tia. How are you? Welcome to there the Water Zone. <laughs> Doing well. Happy to be here. Great, great. Well, welcome to the Water Zone. Well, for our listening audience, let me um, kind of uh, give some background and set this up. What we're going to be talking about is a, um, a roundup of a session that we had at the California Irrigation Institute conference last month that uh, we called Perspectives on California's Irrigation Future. And it was an interactive session, and I'll let Carrie explain a little bit more about it when we get into it. But it was um, highly successful and fun and unusual, and I think uh, very productive as well. So um, our two guests to help me through this this evening are uh, Carrie Pollard, who is the Water Efficiency Manager with the Marin Municipal Water District, where she manages the Water Efficiency Program. She has over 18 years of experience in this field of water efficiency, and she also serves as the co-chair for the Qualified Water Efficient Landscaper Program and is a fellow board member on the California Irrigation Institute with me. And she is our incoming president this year. So uh, welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you so much, and it's a pleasure to be here. All right, great. And a little bit about Tia as well. Tia, um, Tia am I pronouncing your last name correct, Lafert? You are. Okay, that must be my German background that helps with that. So, Tia Leibhertz is the Executive Director of External Affairs at the California Water Efficiency Partnership, otherwise sometimes known as CalWAP. She has a decade of experience working with environmental and water-focused and municipal organizations managing outreach, advocacy, facilitation, coalition development, and communications. Prior to joining CalWAP, Tia worked in various capacities with Water Now Alliance, Imagine H2O, and several environmental nonprofits in California. She currently sits on the board of directors of Wild Climate and Rogue Water Lab. So, welcome to you as well, Tina, to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. <laughs> Great. All right. So, um, both of you, please just briefly before we get into this, um, and we'll go to a commercial break in just about four minutes after we finish introductions, um, and then we'll we'll roll into that uh, review of that session. But uh, Carrie, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this water space, and then Tia, the same for you. All right, great. Um, so Carrie Pollard, let's see, how did I get into this? I started <laughs> off with internship, right? I kind of fell into it, so they, so they say. Um I had an internship when I was still at going to San Jose State University at Santa Clara Valley Water District, and uh, I found something I loved. I found a passion, which was not what I had anticipated when I when I took that internship. It was uh, it was a great balance between environmental stewardship and helping others. That education, kind of getting the word out about efficiency and conservation, but also balanced with a bureaucratic 
science and policy and a lot of structure, which I really enjoyed. And hmm. after that internship, I just my, my career just kept going. So I went from Santa Clara Valley Water District to being three years to Sonoma Water um, for 16 years and just recently moved on to Learn Municipal Water District where I um, do very similar work that I've done for my entire career, which is um, develop conservation and water efficiency programs and uh, and encourage uh, customers to reduce demand and just be aware of their water use and where it comes from and all the opportunities that they have to, to really, um, you know, not necessarily impact their day-to-day lifestyle, but, but still um, be efficient with their water use. Wow, that's great. So it all started with an internship. I love that. That, that, that should be uh, motivational for the youngsters out there in our audience about, you know, um, how you can get into just really great careers. Uh, and I'm sure that you consider yourself having had a great career, Terry, and you're right in the middle of your skill. Um, but, hey, water's a great career, right? Absolutely. I'm really fortunate to have found it just by chance. You know, I wasn't yeah. It wasn't what I was looking for, and, and there's now there's no looking back, and it's really been very rewarding, and I still continue to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah good, 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 good. All right, Tia, same for you. Uh, please tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into the water space. Sure. Um, so I came into the water space through the environmental nonprofit uh, side of things. So I had been a community organizer for most of my career, I'm working on a lot of political campaigns um, around climate and water, um, but water started slowly taking up more and more of my attention and my heart, and I realized that it was really the the number one issue that I cared about was um, protecting our water for future generations and being good stewards of it. Um, And so after being kind of in the political community organizing, sometimes contentious realm, Um, My biggest takeaway, I think, was a moment where I realized that most people just don't know where their water comes from, (laughs) Um, and it's hard for them to care when they they don't, you know, they're like, oh, it comes from the tap, and they take it for granted, and um, I was fortunate enough to kind of shift my career um, and find nonprofits that are supporting local municipalities and special districts. Um, I think that the intersection of how water agencies interact with their customers and, and the kind of role that that plays larger um, around how we preserve and take care of our water systems um, is really important. And so I'm now incredibly fortunate to have a job where, where I, you know, work all day to support all of the folks working in conservation and efficiency in, in municipal and, and uh, local water districts across the state. So, yeah. Well, I think we're fortunate to have you, to have both of you, and... Um I, I'm thrilled to have, um, actually, I'm really thrilled to have three ladies on the line with me tonight. So um, um, I can imagine, um, as in my career, which was agriculture, um, I was often the only lady in the room. And um, um, you folks probably in the urban uh, sector probably have um, a few more gals in um, in the workforce with you, and that's just been wonderful over the last um 30 or 40 years to see that evolve. And then, of course, the wonderful Chris Austin as well, Maven's Notebook. So um, I think we're ready to go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we will dive into the perspectives on California's future and interactive sessions from the PII with Harry and Tia and Chris Austin and myself. Take it away. 
set up that um, for the session. And so um, folks just had to text CalWeb to a number, and then all of a sudden they were linked into our system. And for every question that we asked, um, they just had to reply A or B, agree or disagree. And in live time, we would watch, you know, the, the numbers come up on the big screen. And so it was almost like they were an, another panelist in the room. Um, and it, I think it, it worked tremendously. I think this was a, the perfect setting to have it. I think so, too. I, uh, I was moderating this session, and I have to admit I was a little apprehensive about being the moderator for this because I didn't really know how it would go. And really, from the get-go, it was, hey, this is working. This is really awesome. Everybody's engaged. Uh, I don't think there was a person in the room that was texting or you know, um, catching up on emails or doing anything like, like Carrie was saying in the other uh, peer-to-peer event. Everybody was really engaged and watching one another and um, seeing what the vote was. And, and, of course, our panelists did a great job of defending their yay or nay to the question. So uh, kudos to both of you um, ladies for bringing this uh, to the conference, and I think it was a great success. I had people walk up to me afterwards and say that was the best session they had ever been at at CII, and they've been there, you know, for decades. So, so good work. Um, so let's dive into the question. The, the very first question was, hey, agriculture uses 80% of the water and should be the focus of statewide water use efficiency efforts. Now, we look at the polling. I was surprised to see that in this um, room, it was it was split pretty evenly. About 46% of the people agreed, and about 54% disagreed. And I'll uh, I'll, I'll just round table this. I'll go to each of you and um, give me your thoughts on on how you thought that question uh, panned out. Um, Terry, why don't you start? Um, so I think that of all the questions, this was the one with the most um, divide. It, uh, and it, in, in my mind, it kind of clearly drew the line between ag and urban representatives in the, in the room. Um, and I think that this is the model for the kinds of questions we want to ask if we do this in the future to, um, to engage in a, in a useful and critical and um, informative debate about real issues around ag and urban water use. Um, and I would imagine that it's split pretty evenly right down the middle. Probably urban urban was at 40, or excuse me, agree was at 46%, agreeing that ag should be the focus, and uh, 54% disagree. So I'm assuming that's probably mostly, mostly ag. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, and, and we really actually don't have a lot of farmers at CII, um, but we have ag interests. So, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you're you're right. This uh, ag-urban disparity, and we didn't we don't have as many environmental interests uh, there. If we did, maybe it would be thirty, 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 or who knows? Or maybe it would. Um, well, fighting with the urbanite. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it was pretty. If I, can, if I can jump in here, uh, kind of the thing to to be noted on this question is that you know. How you define those figures, ag is 40% or whatever, it really depends on, you know, what those figures really mean. Ag, you know, ag uses 40% of, of the developed water. Um, it's higher if, um, I'm sorry, it's higher if you're talking about developed water. It's 
a smaller percentage if you're talking about all of the precipitation that falls on the state. Right. And this is often quoted, you know. Um, but the one thing that should be noted, I think, is that it is true that agriculture uses more water than urban people. So if you don't water your lawn for the summer, that doesn't mean that another farmer in the Central Valley could get a field and and get use that water and get it harvested. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 there is a disparity there. And, and I do think that agriculture, in the areas where the price of the water is significant, um, those, those farmers, I mean, ag- the water is an input to their operation. And if it's costing them, you know, a reasonable amount of money, whether that's surface water deliveries or whether that's your, you know, you have to run your groundwater pumps and the electricity to do that, um, you know, farmers are business people. And, and farmers, well, yeah, there's they're still more to be done. They have invested a lot of money um, especially during the drought and, you know, around that time and before then, they've really invested a lot of money to become more efficient on the farm because it's in their best interest to do so. Sure, uh-huh. sure. Yeah, so Tia, um, uh, great, that's yeah. a great breakdown, um, uh, Chris. Uh, Tia, what, what, what was your take on that uh, question? And how, I, how I thought this was a really interesting question, and um, I think I might actually be one of the, the folks that, uh, disagreed, even though I mostly represent uh, urban, um, and that's because you know when I when I was talking about how I got into this and working on big campaigns around protecting water, and and I, I alluded that it was often contentious, and a lot of times that was with ag um, interests. And you know, in my perspective, I think that in order to really shift water policy, we need to um, bring in everyone in urban areas and talk about efficiency. Um, and really maximize our urban water efficiency um, so that we're at a place where, you know, not only are we saving water, but we're also elevating everyone's water IQ, right? That's how they're going to know more about the water system, where it's from. And I think there's there's multiple benefits um, around efficiency besides just, you know, saving buckets of water. So right. that was right. my, my perspective. And I, I believe I heard one of the panelists um, allude to that as well at the conference. Yeah, and again, we have to remember that agriculture is basically agriculture growing food for the urban. You know, the um, California Farm Water Coalition has an interesting graph showing where the water in the state goes if you consider the water footprint of the food that people eat and, you know, the clothes that they wear and the fuel that they burn. And it's all in the cities. <laughs> so, the, you know, the bar graph is all in the cities. That's where the water is used. But, so it's, a, it's an interesting um, question, and I thought um, I thought everybody did a great job of, um, of talking it through. There was one farmer I remember from the audience that spoke up, and he seemed to be a little, a little angry about the question and defensive. <laughs> <laughs> but um, otherwise, it was a pretty good, productive uh, conversation. So how about I think going by to the qu- end, we started to wear those people down. Yeah. The first people are always a little bit shocked that we're doing this, and then yeah. by the end, they really understand the point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our point uh, was not to be controversial. So why are we having a controversial session? But the, the point is 
on the common ground. And even mm-hmm. the next questions, which we thought would be controversial, you know, our next one, 80% of the people agreed and 20% disagreed on the second question of water efficiency technologies are transferable from the ag sector to the urban sector, vice versa. You know, I think that, you know, we, Terry and I chose these questions because we thought they usually were something controversial. And actually, it wasn't so controversial after all. You know, 80% of the people thought, yeah, they are transferable, but, you know, with some uh, caveats, if you will. So, um, Tia, why don't you go first on this one and tell us what you thought about it. Sure. So this one I thought was interesting, um, and I could speak kind of more to, to the purpose of, of, um, of the session, right, which is exactly what you said, as we pick these things that I think a lot of people have just accepted as a truth, a controversial truth, like, oh, well, they hate us because X. Um, when you start to actually dig in a little bit deeper, you're able to find some common ground. So yeah. um, I thought that uh, everyone, you know, I think this is one of the ones where everyone on the panel was agreeing. Um, environmentalists, kind of everyone saying, yeah, that, that makes sense. And um, in this case, you know, when, and this is for folks who are thinking about maybe doing a panel like this in the future, when you have um, a moment where everyone on the panel agrees, you, um, and Inga, you did a fantastic job of this, you can kind of bait people in the audience. Well, who disagreed? Who can kind of say why they disagreed? Um, and you often are able to um, get some voices heard that maybe wouldn't have otherwise um, spoken up. So I thought this was a, a great example of that. Well, this app, you know, a lot of people are you know, you have to raise uh, you know, like this. 200 people in there um, to raise their hands. Uh, I was just going to say that um, um, people are normally shy, but um, we can always find some that want to shout out their opinion, and, and we were able to get them to come to the microphone and shout out their opinion, which was great, because that's what we wanted. We wanted to have a conversation and, again, to find that common ground. And I, w- I was quite pleased that there, other than that one, one participant, um, it was pretty amiable and not... Um, um, it wasn't any mudslinging at all, which I thought it could get to. Uh, it was actually pretty civil and pretty nice, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it really was quite civil, and I think that um, it's good to hear things like that ag water demand may go up, although even though with efficiencies, even when efficiencies are improved on a, on a farm, ag, the, the demand might go up, but yield will go up as well, right? And so acknowledging these farmers are growing, you know, food for people, and that's a, there's value there, right? And I think that that's also important and, and worth noting and, and, and acknowledgement and a comment that was made that I, that I thought was, was good for, for all of us to keep in the back of our mind as we, as we look at common ground and also where, you know, issues might divide us. Right, right. Chris, any um, um, other comment on water efficiency technologies or transferable? Well, this was where I was the, you know, comic relief in there. Because, uh, you know, distribution, uniformity, I, I hadn't heard of that before. So, you know, I, I didn't quite understand it. But I felt better because I went online a few days later and someone else was saying, you know, hey, I went to this conference and they were all talking about distribution uniformity and I never heard of it before. I'm like, well, oh, great, you too. All right. Well, that that was actually that was actually question number four. We're on question number two, I think. Um, actually, the slides are a little different order than the the, the setup, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of fun. Do you do you? I, I uh, 
I'll take credit for that one. <laughs> that was that was fun to put out there. <laughs> so water efficiency <laughs> technologies. What about this one? Both ag and urban water users have an obligation to fund habitat restoration. We had eighty five percent of the people agree to that and fifteen percent disagree. Uh, Chris, well, why don't you start with that one? Yeah, th- this is where, you know, I think one of the things that uh, we have set up in our, our water rates is that um, we just pay for the delivery of water to our taps, but uh, we don't pay for any of the impacts because of those water deliveries. And some of these places where we take water from, um, there's a lot of restoration and a lot of work that needs to be done, and these are not reflected in our water rates, which is why, um, you know, you see bond measures come out for habitat restoration. Yeah. And, uh, the boom and bust for habitat restoration, I mean, those sort of funding cycles, they don't work really well. You know, habitat restoration is sort of a long-term thing. Um, you know, so, I, I mean, I'm one of the rare ones, and, you know, just between, you know, you and Tia and Carrie and I and, you know, um, and nobody else, of course. Um, you know, I want to say that I think there ought to be uh, an extraction fee, a public good service charge that's added um, to all water bills. But, you know, mm-hmm. that would make me, like, really unpopular with the water district. But, it, you know, but I think, though, if you're you're getting the benefit of the water, then you should be paying to mitigate the impact of where that water is from. Um, but, I mean, that's so maybe, highly maybe controversial. So, yeah. yeah, maybe I could jump in. So it depends on your utility, I can tell you. And has been willing and have been working on these issues up in, in the Northern California because they live, this is the area that they live in. Um, we in Southern California don't live in these watersheds that the water is taken from. So, you know, we live in this urban environment, and we just we just don't know. Yeah, so yeah. Well, we it's an education. Understand. It's an education thing again. Tia, how about how about what was your take on that one? Yeah, I mean, I was. Uh, I think Eric was also Eric Wesselman from Friends of the River, the environmentalist in the room, was pleasantly surprised by the overwhelming agreement. Yeah. <laughs> on this as well. Um, and so I think it was a, a nice moment for him, you know, and kind of environmentalist in the room to me to realize that, you know, 85% of the folks that they were with are not actually adversarial on this, but agree that in some way this needs to happen. So this is yeah. one of those moments of finding common ground where we thought there was going to be conflict. Yeah, that, I agree. That was heartening uh, for, for me as well. Uh, we have about uh, five minutes left, so <clears throat> quickly, um, one of the other questions that, that really was a great one, too, is over-irrigating farms is okay since the water runoff benefits someone or something downstream. And only 9% of the people agreed with that one, and 91% disagreed. All right, Carrie, give us a breakdown on that one. Sure. I mean, I mean, who 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 would... Put their hand out and say that they agree that over irrigating farms is okay because of the runoff to benefit someone else. So I don't think like it's just I don't see how anyone could could say say that they agree to that. Um, oh, oh, but oh, but there, oh, but do it. But there are very comes down to it. That is an argument that is made, and so and that's why yeah. it makes me wonder how you know who's in the room and 
we have the right people in the room to answer a question like this? Because I expected a whole lot more debate on this item and th- that I didn't really hear. Yeah, uh, but there are very, very prominent people and organizations that do say it's okay. But I think what was brought out during this session was that it's really not, because even if somebody does benefit from the runoff, uh, the runoff has gone through the agricultural system, and it has a, a electrical, you know, it has a, uh, it has a big carbon footprint. It has, you know, oftentimes a, a chemical footprint as well. And, you know, it's better to be more efficient with your irrigation and just let the water run down the stream if you're really wanting to benefit somebody downstream. So I, mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised with this answer. Tia, what do you think? Yeah, similarly. I mean, I think it's, it's um, we're at the California Irrigation Institute. So the, the room full of folks are really focused on irrigating. They've been right. talking and hearing from speakers, you know, about the importance of smart irrigation and, um, you know, the best technologies and Sigma and kind of across the board what's happening around water efficiency as well. So I was, you know, at, at the end of the of the California Irrigation Institute conference, I was, again, another one where I was heartened to see uh, disagreement um, around this issue and for yep. many other reasons that y'all are just said. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Chris, any comments before we wrap up and go to the last one? So there's one more I'd like to touch on, and that was technology will save us. There's no need to change our habits or our behavior. Boy, that was an overwhelming, um, non-controversial statement. Everybody disagreed with it, which was, except for 1%. 1%. One person must have said, yeah, there's a planet B. (laughs) That person was just trying to be controversial, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... So that that was good that we did have um, agreement that we we really do have to change our behavior. It's just it's just tough. I guess it's just tough. Um, anybody a great else example of that is I was going to say a great example of that is you know using this polling app to engage people from two opposite sides of the room in a useful way. Right? You can have the app that pulls the technology that pulls people together. But until you yeah. start having a conversation, you know you're not going to get anywhere. And so. Like right. Well. Right. I say we do have to talk to one another. You know, we can't just all do this um, anonymously. So the anonymousness, anonymousness. Okay, that's a new word. The anonymousness of this app helped um, us to the point of having conversations. I think. And I think that's what was really great about it. I mean, yeah. Maybe if we would have just posed the questions um, without the app, which is what we always do during this general session. We just them to talk, but once they can see what everybody else thought, both verbally on the panel and electronically on the screen, I think it really helps facilitate um, some useful conversation. So, so I guess my last question is, in hindsight, um, do you all think that we accomplished our goal of getting people to talk to one another and finding common ground? Carrie? Sure. So I, yeah. I would say that I think we we proved that the technology works and that it's an engaging engaging method to um, to to use to get feedback during the, the conference. And yeah, I really want to say thank you for 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 being up on the stage and moderating um, because I know you were a little bit apprehensive and weren't sure how it was going to go, and <laughs> you made it look like you knew exactly the process and. It, it was just it, you. Made, you really made it made it happen, and so I, I want to want to thank you for that. But I think next time we do it, looking looking down the road, 
you know, we have to remember that these statements were massaged, right? Because we wanted to make sure that it was going to work in a way that was useful and productive and not counterproductive, right? Right. Controversial, but not too controversial. And I think now that we see um, the breakdown and kind of how, how, how it can play out, there's more of an opportunity to push a little bit further. So I think that that did meet our goals, and I think there's a lot we can leverage down the road to um, continue to engage California Irrigation Institute participants um, in meaningful ways. All right. Well, I'd like Here, to hear. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Tia. Uh, we have to close. Uh, so is going on to its next hour. I'd like to thank all three of you for joining me, Terry, Tia, and Chris. And, um, you know, um, I do hope that we are able to have a similar session like this each year at CII and find our common ground. So this is Ingie Biscotter, host of the Water Zone Ag Podcast, signing off until we see you next week.